Radio. MileHighRadio.com And now, live from Atlanta, Georgia, everyone's social media friend, it's Deb Creer. Every week, Deb talks with the movers and shakers, the experts, the best of the best in social media, bringing you all of the latest tips, techniques, and trends for successfully using social media. In social media, there's only one constant, Deb Creer. Good morning, everyone. I am Deb Creer. I'm the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to promote themselves and their businesses by using social media. And we have such a treat today because we have someone who is an expert on B2B social media. And so this is going to be so much fun. So join me in welcoming Kurt Shaver. Hi, Deb. Glad to be here. Great, great. Well, before we go any further, let me tell folks a little bit about you. Kurt Shaver is the founder of The Sales Foundry, a company that teaches social selling techniques to B2B sales organizations. He brings an in-depth understanding of social selling technologies and a real-world experience gained over 20 years in corporate sales and management. Kurt is the creator of The Social Selling Boot Camp and host of the podcast, Social Selling Superstars. He has spoken at events including LinkedIn's inaugural Sales Connect Conference, the Sales Association's Science of Sales Conference, and AAISP's Social Selling Conference. Kurt is a regular contributor to sales websites including Business to Community, Sales Gravy, and Top Sales World, and his clients include little guys like Hewlett-Packard, Tell Pacific Communications, and City National Bank. So again, Kurt, welcome. Great. Thanks, Deb. Looking forward to it. Yeah. You know, you got to love technology. We have everything covered here throughout the United States because you're out in the Bay Area. Of course, the station is in Denver, and I'm all the way out here in Atlanta. So, you know, it's too bad we didn't have somebody else that was up in New York calling in, but... <laughs> We've, we've got everything covered here. So let's just jump right in on this. First, what is social selling? How do you define that? Because that's different than just social media or social networking. So what is social selling? Yeah, I guess I would define social selling as using social applications like LinkedIn or Twitter, mm-hmm. Facebook, or things like that, but using it for a, a selling practice, which is, which is typically either prospecting, where you're going out and trying to identify potential customers, or a content sharing exercise where you're really trying to attract customers. Okay. So how is that different than just regular social media? Is it that we're not focusing so much on the kumbaya building relationships or you know what what really does because it's it's a subset of social media so why does it kind of why does it is it a subset well i think it, it has to do a little bit with the ob- objective it has a little bit, and also has to do with some of the activities that are going to uh, occur okay. so if we talk about the objective i mean obviously the the objective of social selling is to sell uh, the mm-hmm. objective of social media as you indicated, a lot of times is, you know, it, it, it could be lots of things. It could be 
building relationships. It could be, you know, looked at if we stretch it to the personal objectives, right? It could just be, mm-hmm. you know, sharing pictures on Facebook with grandma or something like mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. from an objective standpoint, obviously, the purpose of social selling is selling. But right. when you look at the um, activity, I think the, the the big difference is that prospecting piece of it. Again, probably time and time again in this interview, we're going to talk about these two fundamental activities of prospecting or sometimes called hunting. And the mm-hmm. second activity being the content sharing, right, in order to attract people. So, again, going back to the question about social media, the prospecting piece of it, which is very common for salespeople, is not not really a top-of-mind activity. Uh, for example, when marketing thinks about social media, when marketing thinks about social media, they're really just thinking about that second activity of, of posting right. content to attract Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, one of the things that we hear over and over again is that you shouldn't sell on social media. So, you know, obviously in social selling you are. How do you do it in a way so that you're not coming across as the used car salesman? And, you know, we always apologize to those used car salesmen out there. Mm-hmm. But how is it that you, you don't come across as Buy for me, buy for me, buy for me. Um, is it about building that relationship first or, you know, because at some point, obviously, you do have to sell or at least tell people about the product or service that you offer. So how do you get around that? You know, you, you can't be the used car salesman mentality. Yeah, well, you know, I think that the guideline from social selling on the content sharing is definitely to be a valuable resource to potential buyers. And so from that standpoint, you do want it to be sort of a a, a soft sell. Um, You're not coming on too hard. And again, you're just posting things that are going to be of value. You know, sometimes they may be overtly or internal information mm-hmm. about your company, whether it's, you know, a new product or an ROI calculator or here's a white paper or a case study on one of our mm-hmm. customers. You know, it can be um, the, 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 it could be the same types of things that marketing departments have typically right. created in terms of, mm-hmm. of content. Um, e- even softer than that, it might just be uh, information maybe about your industry that you find on a trade industry website or a news website or something like that. And, again, that's even maybe softer or, or, or taking one more step back from just having your own company propaganda. Um, but, you know, if we look, if we look at that, that first activity, the prospecting piece of it, you know, when you're doing that type of thing, you're kind of identifying people. I think what maybe takes some of the – apprehension out of it maybe for for people that maybe aren't full-time salespeople um, is when when you're when you're prospecting you're obviously are in really a selling mode what you want to take advantage of in terms of the social tools is use them for uh, listening or research or uh, social intelligence so that when you are reaching out to somebody, right, in a proactive prospecting manner, that you're doing it with a knowledge of their business. You've looked at things like their LinkedIn updates or their Twitter posts or things like that, 
so you know what's important to them, and when you are going to contact them, it's going to be of something of relevance with a real specific understanding of how you might be able to help them. Well, and I think what happens, you know, when we've gotten so paranoid about selling, is then businesses don't do it at all. Um, you know, they 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 go to an extreme the other direction. Right. Um, I was talking to someone one time who he was just greatly annoyed that a friend of his had decided to get insurance from somebody other than him, and and he was an insurance salesman. And you know, now obviously there could have been a personal reason they, that they they did that, but when he asked his friend, "Why didn't you come to me for a quote?" the friend said. Well, I didn't know you sold insurance. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I think that comes into it is we, we do try and take that soft approach and and we, and it's so soft that it's, you know, the the kitten soft. Mm -hmm. And, and we forget to tell people, yes, we are in business. We have this product or service. And if we can help you, please feel free to contact us. Um, you know, and, and so we're not the, the neon sign, you know, hitting them over the head. But we do need to remind people that we have a product or a service that we sell. And I think that's where so many companies fall down on it. Um, you know, and, and then there are obviously there are the companies that we expect it from. You know, Starbucks is going to post what their, their treat of the day is. And you just know that. But, you know, I think, and I, it seems to me that it's the small business owners who really have been told you can't sell on social media. So they never try to sell on social media. Yeah, I, I agree. The, the, the best success comes from a balanced approach, right? So you mm-hmm. don't want the, the pendulum to swing too far toward the, you know, pure prospecting all the time or to the, you know, all I'm going to do is post and hope. Right. So it, it, it's really a combination. Uh, it's a combination of those two things because the, the posting, the valuable resources that raises your your visibility with people. They sort of know you're there, but yeah, to actually reach out to them and engage in conversation in that in a slightly more proactive way is going to end up with better results than just posting and and hoping people come to you. Right, right. Well, you know, I know that you teach classes in social selling and and do you do things like that. How did you? decide to focus on social selling, and how did you become an expert in it? So, well, I, I'll tell you, uh, I guess, the, the, the quick story of a, of a long career. So, you know, I was in corporate sales in the tech business for uh, about 20 years and ended my last stint uh, as a VP of sales for a global software company. And, and in that role, I brought a CRM system into the company. It was Salesforce.com, one of the popular ones. But anyway, so we brought Salesforce.com into that company and uh, implemented it. And when I left that company, I decided I was going to start my own company, uh, consulting company, and help uh, basically other companies sell and automate. And I, so I started out to be a Salesforce.com consultant. Um, and so the first three years of the sales foundry, I was helping other companies implement Salesforce.com, particularly to you know to map it to their sales process because okay. a lot of the clients had Salesforce.com, it just wasn't really being used very much. So <laughs> I, I often say to people, I I implemented five of them. Four of them were rescues, and one of them was from scratch. But oh, dear. Um, anyway, so yeah, I was doing that, and along the way, I started because I, obviously I was using I was using LinkedIn for myself. I was a kind of early adopter. I started using LinkedIn and um, oh. Five, which was two years into their existence, 
And so, I, you know, I used it for my own business, generate business, and I started to teach my clients how to use it for lead generation. So this kind of went on for, for three years. And I was teaching, it got to the point where I was teaching public seminars on uh, lead generation, and part of that was teaching LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And so in February of 2011, <clears throat> I was doing a public seminar on sales lead generation techniques and about 50 people in the class and I had spent about 40 minutes on my 30 minute section that I had reserved for LinkedIn and I said to the crowd hey they kept asking questions and questions and questions and I said to the crowd hey you know we need to move on because there's a bunch of other stuff we need to cover and a guy put his hand up in the back of the room and he said why don't you just do a whole workshop on lead generation with LinkedIn. Wow. And uh, I, I, I looked at the crowd and I said, well, if I did that, how many of you people would pay to come? And every hand in the room went up. <laughs> and I said... And you said, ka-ching. Ka -ching. I said, hmm, <laughs> this looks like a business opportunity. So I told, <clears throat> I told that audience, okay, I said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. Uh, it'll take me three months to create the curriculum and the PowerPoints and the workbooks and the exercises and all that kind of thing. And I'll expect you guys all back here in May for my first LinkedIn webinar. And they said, okay, great. So I booked the room, started to build the curriculum and promote the webinar. Well, you know that story that it's better to be lucky than good? Uh-huh. Well, in May of 2011, Two weeks before I was going to launch my first dedicated LinkedIn webinar, or LinkedIn seminar, rather. It was a live public seminar. Uh, LinkedIn went public. Oh. And it was all over the news. It's the biggest pure Internet IPO since Google in 2004, and everybody wanted to know about LinkedIn, LinkedIn, LinkedIn. How do we know about LinkedIn? And there I was sitting there with my webinar in two weeks ready to go. So, you know, that first one sold out, and ever since then, basically I just said, okay, no more Salesforce. It's all about LinkedIn and social selling. And so um, that was about three and a half years ago now, and, and that has been the focus then for the last three and a half years is using mostly LinkedIn, but, you know, other, other tools, Twitter and other things for B2B social selling. Mm-hmm. Well, and... You know, I, I love that you do focus on LinkedIn. I mean, that's, that's the, what I focus on also. But so many people as, still assume it is just for people who are looking for a new job. Um, you know, and, and, or maybe they're at a job, but they're kind of thinking something might change. So, you know, how can people use LinkedIn to really connect? And, and it's funny because I was reading on your, your website, your uh, most recent blog post where, you know, we, we have always done the, especially for people like you and I, we're going to accept almost anybody who ever wants to connect with us. And that might not be the right philosophy now. So how do you really use LinkedIn, and, and this is probably something that we could talk about for four or five hours, to, um, for, to really do that prospecting and, and really reach out to people. You know, you're happy in your job. You like your job. You're not looking for a new job. How do you use it as a true business tool? So, boy, Deb, I think you know. I think you, I think you nailed it right on your last comment there in terms of an important point because it's really it's really a decision 
people need to make. It's a decision sellers need to make. Um, and that, that decision is, are, are you happy in your job? Are you sticking around? And is your focus being successful in your current job selling, or are you looking for a job? Because, mm-hmm. because that decision dictates so much about your LinkedIn profile at a minimum right. and probably your LinkedIn habits uh, at the max, but certainly the LinkedIn profile, right? Because, again, when LinkedIn came out, yeah, absolutely, people thought of it as like their online resume. And so, you know, salespeople would have things, like, you know, it, it looked like their resume. I mean, it, it would look like right. an We ad- cut and pasted yeah. our right. resume. Like I made President's Club eight years, and I'm over quota 150%, and I'm, you know, have 28 Fortune 500 accounts, right? I mean, it was it was very much of this bragging about their sales skills and how um, their accomplishments in selling. But again, if you're, you know, if you're if you're selling um, uh, payroll services to businesses or you're selling, you know, computers or telecom equipment, right? You're, they don't prospects don't want to know about that. That's, that's they don't that's, care. Yeah, they don't care. That's probably the last thing they want to know is that you're a great salesperson, right? So, um, so. People have to shift their 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 thinking from the kind of maybe I don't know if it's really older because LinkedIn is still obviously hugely valuable for finding a job. But you know if if your goal is to be successful in your current role and attract prospects, then that whole profile just needs to have a different slant to it. And so that's kind of the first decision that, that people need to make. It needs to be written. You know, uh, salespeople need to really put on their marketing copy hat or get help from their marketing department because it it it, it needs to to read like their personal website and be written all the things you know about marketing copy, right? It needs to be aimed at their prospect. It needs to mm-hmm. kind of speak to the prospect, help the help the prospect uh, self identify themselves. In the uh, things like the headline, I'll, I'll give you a specific example. Um, you'd mentioned uh, business insurance a, a while ago, so uh, I do a lot of work with business insurance. They're they're great uh, beneficiaries of LinkedIn because of the relationship oriented nature right. of insurance. And so, one of my uh, so one uh, client was a woman sold property and casualty business insurance, and she. She happened to focus on the construction market, right? So, ah. so in her updated headline, you know, she specifically adds uh, that she works with developers, contractors, and construction companies, right, to help them insure and protect their business. Now, as opposed to you know the old profile before she upgraded it, you, you know, used to just say business insurance broker at XYZ company. Right, basically her title and her company is what it used right. to say in her mm-hmm. headline, and so, so the again the point of that is to is to help the audience like instantly self identify themselves because if that woman's profile you know shows up on a LinkedIn page that has lots of other people on it, right? It might be a it might be a list of group members. It might mm-hmm. be somebody looking in the people you may know section. Mm-hmm. It might be, you know, somebody that pops up on a homepage, whatever it happens to be. If the point of that headline is, if you are a contractor, construction company, owner, developer, right, anything in that space, 
then then her headline jumps out at you because right. you recognize, oh, that's me. Oh, what does she do? Mm-hmm. Click. Let me find out more. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's kind of why people, back to your point of, you know, shifting and how do they address it for selling, I think those are some of the, the ideas. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, it also allows people to look at her profile and go, oh, that's not me. You know, they might want to connect for some other reason, right. but, yeah, then they've, you know, it's it's like you you don't walk into Best Buy if you're not wanting to buy, you know, an electronic or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and the, the nice thing is, of course, those terms are searchable, so people can look for those in and out of LinkedIn. You know, Google likes likes all of those things, but it really is something that I think everybody needs needs to take into account because when when it comes down to it, we're all selling. Um, you know, and even if it's that we're in the job market or we're an entrepreneur, we're selling ourselves. Um, but you know, what you're talking about is kind of you know selling for that organization. And so we're, amazingly enough, we're already at a time for a break. So when we come back, let's talk about the difference between social skills, excuse me, social selling skills. Oh, that's a tongue twister. Um, to an, uh, as an individual versus a sales organization. So we'll talk about that when we come back. I am Deb Creer talking with Kurt Shaver on Mile High Radio, and we'll be back in just a moment. And now, we're back for more fun and inspiration with social media expert Deb Creer and her fabulous guest. You can lose 10, 20, 30 pounds or more with Maximum Slim's first ever rapid weight loss guarantee. Today, you get Maximum Slim, an advanced fat and carb blocker, absolutely risk-free. The all-natural ingredients in Maximum Slim are a powerful weight loss combination. The Maximum Slim formula turns your body into a fat-burning furnace that supercharges your weight loss. Advanced fat and carb blocker stops the breakdown of sugar so your body doesn't store it as fat. Today, you'll get both of these products absolutely risk-free with no obligation. Only pay shipping. There are no expensive meal plans or exhausting DVDs. Just Take Maximum Slim twice a day. It's fast, simple, and now it's guaranteed. Look, you can start losing weight today or not. Go back to your high school days and wear your favorite jeans again. Guaranteed. Call now and get both weight loss formulas free. Call 800-375-7482. 800-375-7482. That's 800-375-7482. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up 
to 50% on washer and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-620-2090. That's 1-800-620-2090. Again, 1-800-620-2090. Call now. Great shows, great music. MileHighRadio.com. What are you listening to? And now, we're back for more fun and inspiration with social media expert Deb Creer and her fabulous guest. And we're back. I am Deb Creer talking with Kurt Shaver, and we're really talking about social selling, which is such an interesting topic, and we're delving really into this. But before we go any further, Kurt, tell people how they find you and how they they can connect with you online. Sure. Thanks, Deb. Well, probably the best way is just find me on LinkedIn. It's Kurt Shaver, K-U-R-T-S-H-A-V, like in Victor, E-R. That is the same as my Twitter handle as well, at Kurt Shaver. And then my Business is the Sales Foundry, F-O-U-N-D-R-Y. So any of those, they should be able to find me. Great. Well, and the the cool thing about your website is you've got so many good resources there. You've got a blog. Um, You uh, obviously post information about your seminars and webinars that are coming up. So it's a, a really good place for people to be. And as we mentioned right before we took the break, even if you like it or not, you're in sales. Um, you know, it is kind of one of those things. So many people, you know, they say they don't want to speak in public, you know, all these things. That's one of their big fears. And then one of the next ones seems to be they don't want to be a salesman. Well, get over it, folks. <laughs> we are salespeople, whether we like it or not. Um, but, you know, right before we took the break, we were talking about the difference between, or we were getting ready to talk about social selling skills for an individual versus a sales organization. So how does this work, Kurt? Well, yeah, I guess the distinction is that the individual social selling skills are a component, kind of the fundamentals associated with leveraging social selling organizationally. So, you know, if you think of kind of the history of of social selling applications, again, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, you know, all these things started about 10 years ago. And they are, in most cases, these uh, free applications that individuals um, first adopted maybe in their the personal side of their life. And so they they kind of come in the door in terms of a company. They sort of come in the door with the employee, right? In other words, it's, it's not like mm-hmm. a big enterprise license that the company paid, you know, a quarter million right. dollars with and everybody uh, has their own subscription mm-hmm. type thing. It's just this individual app. And so kind of for that reason, a lot of the maybe early training and still some of the basic training is focused on helping individuals build up their own skills, which is a necessary component. But when you look at uh, how to organizationally leverage this for a larger B2B sales force, there's really two other elements that have to be layered on top of the foundational sort of prerequisite of individual skills. The second thing that has to come on the top of it is 
the the cooperation with marketing, the marketing department, in order to maximize the benefits from the content sharing capabilities of social selling. So we talked mm-hmm. earlier in the interview that there's really these two parts of social selling. There's prospecting and content sharing. Well, salespeople are oftentimes not trained. They don't have the time. In some cases, they're not even authorized to um, create certain types of content. That's not their thing, right? That's marketing's right. Mm-hmm. things. So, uh, so in a strategic initiative, sales and marketing need to be working together because marketing can supply that authorized quality um, volume of content that salespeople can then share and the sales force then terrifically amplifies the social footprint of the company. So level two is cooperation with marketing. Level mm-hmm. three that occurs organizationally, which doesn't happen in, in an individual setting, is then then you need to uh, really implement social selling management within the company. And that that involves a couple things, right? One is just the skill set of managers to understand, okay, in this new way of selling, what are the, what are the metrics that I need to check and trend, make sure we're going in the right direction? How do I coach salespeople in this new type of selling? So that's the skills that the sales managers need. And then ultimately, really, the company needs to have um, some kind of a system to, again, sort of track, measure, manage these social selling activities. So just as in kind of more traditional selling activities, people are used to having CRMs that have dashboards and reports and they're tracking pipelines and how many calls and visits and things like that, right? There needs to be some kind of an overriding system in social selling ultimately to take it to its greatest benefit. Okay. Well, and... You know, I think that's where sometimes people get a little frightened about it is, you know, they, they think, well, how do we track it? So, you know, are there certain policies that need to be implemented, practices? You know, how does somebody go about, you know, and, and obviously this is if you've got more than one or two people who are doing this, you know, who are actually, but even one person, I mean, you need to be keeping track yourself as to, to what you're doing, but how do you go about that? Um, you know, I one of the things that I tell people just from a social media standpoint, for example, is to develop um, like an editorial calendar. So on Mondays, they post a frequently asked question. On Tuesdays, they post an industry tip, you know, things like that so that they know what they're doing every single day. And part of that just takes the fear out of posting on social media. But how do do you develop these policies and these procedures from a selling perspective? Well, that, that's a great tip in terms of the editorial calendar, and that's certainly one aspect of it that would, you know, just help give people a little structure mm-hmm. and, like you say, take some of the, the, the fear out of it, like they, they don't know what to do. I mean, wh- one of the things that I kind of laugh at, which is sort of, I think, touching on this area, is, you know, social media gives everybody the the – capability of being a worldwide publisher and Mm -hmm. some people see that fact as a tremendous opportunity and some people see that fact as a tremendous risk right and so sometimes you know the 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 legal department or something else well you know we'll get all caught up in like Mm -hmm. uh, oh you know social media we have to manage it and control it and people can say this and can't say that and they you know they just like kind of go crazy about it but i mean Mm -hmm. i just look at 
social media is it's just one other channel, right? So right. it's like the telephone and email. I mean, can 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 people say some horrible thing on the e, uh, on the telephone that you know would reflect poorly on the company and cause damage? Absolutely, sure. but mm-hmm. you're not going to rip all the telephones out of the company, are you? So. Uh, I mean, so it really comes down to, as you were saying, it really comes down to training, comes down mm-hmm. to guidelines, policies, things like that, so that people learn how to use this communication mechanism like they've learned how to use the other communication mechanisms. And, uh, again, that's that's one of the differences between organizational implementation of social selling versus individual is that, you are going to have some policies and guidelines and some, you know, some do's and don'ts. I think what, to me, what makes social selling really, really interesting is that it, it, it's not cut and dried. There's a huge gray area be, be, because, because, because part of anything, you know, quote, social, uh, unquote, is inherently individual. And yet, if you're using it organizationally, you've got to have some consistency and standards. So it's really, when you're talking about implementing it in a sales force, it's kind of a balance between the individual uh, expression and the company mm-hmm. expression. Again, it, you know, you want, probably want the pendulum kind of in the middle, not, not, not everybody doing their own thing, because that doesn't quite work with a sales force. But you don't want every single profile looking the exact same, like they were just, you know, stamped out of the marketing cookie cutter. So that's, that's what I think uh, makes it fun. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and we've seen those cookie cutters. Um, you know, when you're probably like me, you spend a lot of time looking at other people's profiles. And it really is funny when you come across ones where they've clearly just changed the person's name. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's like, really? It, because it, to me, social media, and, and I, you know, obviously we're talking about if you're on your personal LinkedIn page or, you know, it's a little bit different if you're using your personal Facebook page, but, you know, on all of those, it's, about being you, um, you know, and, and so if you are the cookie cutter, well, you know, that that's a little bit strange because it part of being a very good salesperson is developing those relationships with people. And so it's having, you know, the little bits in there about what your family might might do or, you know, those those little personal touches. And if the company is so caught up in your profile can say this and only this and you can never post anything extra it really loses that personal touch. Yeah. Well, and you know, one of the one of my favorite things, and and they do this on Facebook, and and now I really love that they've taken it a step further on LinkedIn, are the notifications about birthdays. Um, you know, and and so not only on do we get the the notifications on birthdays from face from LinkedIn, but also the anniversaries and the new jobs. And and it was funny because that was what you were talking about when you were saying in your your blog post, gee, maybe we're getting a little overconnected, is it really adds that personal touch to reach out to somebody. And, of course, LinkedIn, you know, got to love them. They always have their canned thing in there. Mm -hmm. So I think it says congrats. Right. You know, change that. But, you know, if you're really well connected, and and I don't mean well connected as in depth of quality, but well is just in numbers, you can get overwhelmed with that. But, I mean, that's that's one of those sales tools that they used to teach old school yeah, where, right. you know, the sales guys had their big card boxes and they kept track of people's birthdays and anniversaries. And when you got a physical card from them saying happy anniversary, happy birthday, whatever, 
it really was such a great sales tool. And so LinkedIn especially has incorporated that. And, and I think that is something that, you know, again, if you're doing cookie cutter, well, you're not answering those. And so that's why we need to personalize this. Um, you know, do you think that those tools are great and do you tell people that they should use them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I love it. I mean, I, I think that, uh, so much of the the training that I see, I mean, that I see from others and that mm-hmm. I do myself, I will admit, um, are, are very focused on, like, acquiring new connections. And, mm-hmm. and I realized uh, maybe about six months ago that there needed to be some emphasis on nurturing the existing connections right. as well, right? I think back to that old adage, it's not the money you make, it's the money you keep. And it's kind of the same mm-hmm. way with relationships, right? It's not the people you, it's not the people you, uh, corral into your LinkedIn networks. It's really the relationships that you build once they're in right. there. And so things like that, uh, like uh, in the browser of LinkedIn, it's called the Keep in Touch feature. Mm-hmm. And then if you're lucky enough to have an iPhone, uh, they about a, about a month ago they brought out this brand new iPhone-only version of that feature. It's, it's kind of confusing because it's not the same as the LinkedIn app for the iPhone. Ah. There, there, there is a completely separate, a separate app. iPhone oh. app called Connected. Mm-hmm. That is the name of it. Mm-hmm. And it, it just mimics that that exact uh, sort of single reminder mm-hmm. function, just so you've got it in your uh, mobile platform. But right. you know, but those those four notifications: birthdays, uh, promotions mentioned in the news, mm-hmm. or uh, physically moved locations. Right? I went from St. Louis to Miami. Um, ah. If any of those four things happen in your network, LinkedIn will tell you. And you can send them a note. But I, I, you know, it's if it, even if you just click the can thing, you know, you're probably going to be one of the only six people that send that person a happy birthday or a move. But so you've differentiated yourself from the other thousand people in their network. Now, you, now you've now you're not one of a thousand. Now you're one of six. But if you mm-hmm. want to be one of one, then yeah, actually take the ten seconds to go finger to keyboard and write something in that. Uh, I mean, I'll get I'll give you a little tip that I teach my students uh, again just to make it seem a little different but I I don't want to work too hard and retype every time so I have a uh, just a word word document that I've got all this boilerplate my standard LinkedIn copy oh. right mm-hmm. and so if you think of just take the birthdays for example so I have a one sentence one sentence little blurb mm-hmm. for every day of the week Okay, so, you know, every morning I pull up my LinkedIn and I pop up and mm-hmm. I've got, you know, 15 birthdays in there. So if it's Monday, instead of getting happy birthday, Deb, like the other seven people would send you, mm-hmm. right? Mine's going to say, happy birthday. If it's Monday, if your birthday's Monday, it's going to say, happy birthday, Deb. I hope you started early and celebrated all weekend. Ah. Uh-huh. I, you know, I cut and paste that. It took me 10 seconds. Right. Okay. If it's Wednesday, if your birthday is Wednesday, it's going to say, happy birthday, Deb. What a great way to break up the week by having a birthday party. Ha, I love you it. Know, if it's Friday, it's going to say, happy birthday, Deb. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you start the weekend early, you know, with a, or what a great way to start the weekend with a, you know, something like that. So mm-hmm. it, it, it seems custom to you, but, but, you know, if it's Friday and I got eight birthdays, all eight people get the same 
<laughs> thing that says, right. hey, it's the weekend. <laughs> well, and the cool thing is then hopefully they respond. Yeah. And then that gives you that chance to say, what have you been doing? What's new in your life? Yada, yada, right. yada. It's dialogue um, and relationship. Yeah. You know, and, and granted, they may not respond at all. I mean, you know, when I get maybe one of 20 that with people who actually respond, and most of the time it's thanks. Yeah. But if I had, you know, if I had done what you had suggested and made it even more personal, now I never use the little can thing. I usually say something a little bit different. But having that little bit more really might get them to respond more. And obviously there's, you know, how many people on LinkedIn who never check? I mean, you know, they're they're just on LinkedIn because somebody told them they needed to be on LinkedIn and they really don't care about any of that. And they wonder why once a year they get inundated with all of right. this. But, um, yeah, it, and that comes back to those building relationships things. Um, you know, and, and so many businesses tell me, oh, we can't do this. It takes too much time. And you're right, though. It took 10 seconds per person for you to do that. So it, we're talking five, 10 minutes at the most. You're sitting there, you're having your, your cup of coffee or, you know, it's, it's a lunch break or you're waiting to pick your kids up after school. You've got the time to do this, and it really can pay off. Yeah, I mean, that, just that feature alone, I mean, it's pretty easy to touch 10 people in mm-hmm. in a minute, right? Because LinkedIn does tee up some generic thing in there, and if you put one other sentence on it, mm-hmm. you can touch 10 people in a minute. Well, right, right. so so do that, what, what are there, so basically do that every business day of mm-hmm. the year, right, and you've, and you, mm-hmm. you, you've pinged 2500 people now mm-hmm. that th- that's a lot of pinging in terms of in terms of tiny little relationship deposits right you know and and but it, it pays off um you know i the, there's no roi i mean you can't really figure roi on any of this and and that of course is one of those typical things that businesses want to measure but it does pay off and the fact that maybe they don't even respond but it put you top of mind with them again. And, you know, all those various things. And it really didn't take all that long, um, you know, and, but it's it's back to the old sales techniques of just make sure that they know you exist. Right. Um, you know, I, I know someone here in Atlanta who is a phenomenal realtor. And every quarter he talks to or at least leaves a voice message for people he has worked with. Um, you know, whether he successfully sold or bought a house for them or not, once a quarter, he reaches out, hi, how you doing? And and it's never, I have five houses ready to sell or anything like that. It's just, hi, how you doing? Just thought I'd touch base. You know, sometimes he refers to, you know, something that's going on in the news or, you know, it's time for back to school, things like that. And he's he is very successful just because... Four times a year, he makes quick phone calls to people. Um, you know, and and it, that it just reminds him that he exists. Yep, it's, like you said, it's 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 old school selling. Just keeping your mm-hmm. uh, network going. Right, right. So you know, it's one of those things where do people? Is it intuitive for some people or? Are, you know, is, is this really something that a lot of people have to be taught how to do? I, you know, I think if they're, I think if they were experienced salespeople, they, mm-hmm. they, they completely get the, all the prospecting and networking activities within 
LinkedIn because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, one of my, uh, friends, Miles Austin has this great line, right? He says, uh, it's, uh, new tools, but old rules. Ah. And I think that's a good, good line. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, guys, you can go to back to, you know, Dale Carnegie's win friends and influence people from 1936. And a lot of those, a lot of those principles, those mm-hmm. basic, uh, selling principles, even, Bigger than that, human communication principles, human mm-hmm. rapport principles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can find them in the specific things you do LinkedIn. So again, if if they have if they have good sound sales principles, they they know about that prospecting piece of it. The content sharing piece of it, if they're really pure salespeople, that's that's a little bit. They got to get their mind around it. That's more of a marketing mindset to think about mm-hmm. that posting um, information. Now, if if, if the individual you know, if the individual is is a sole proprietor or more of an entrepreneur or they're sort of used to wearing both their selling and their marketing hat, then, again, mm-hmm. they, they get it because part of the time they did self-market. Uh, but, you know, if they're uh, in a large corporation where they never had any marketing responsibility and they were a pure salesperson, then they then that's the one that takes a little getting used to. Right, right. Well, we are ready for another break. You know, it's it's just amazing how fast time flies when we start talking about all of this because I look at the clock and I think five minutes have gone past and 20 minutes have actually gone past. So when we come back, we're going to talk about, you know, are there any industries that this is better for? And then we also want to, you know, talk about what makes this successful and have Kurt really share some success stories. Okay. Um, so um, I am Deb Creer talking with Kurt Shaver on Mile High Radio, and we'll be back in just a moment. Are you disabled? Have you been wrongfully denied insurance benefits by your long-term disability insurance company? Or maybe you didn't even know you had a long-term disability insurance policy. Don't try to face the insurance companies alone. Hear how one phone call to the disability group has helped people just like you. Very professional. Very easy. One phone call to you folks and it was done. Even if you're in a desperate financial situation, there's no risk involved when you call. Disability Group will put you in touch with a nationally recognized and experienced team who's ready to fight for you. They were on my team. They were on my side. If anybody in my family needed, you know, help, I would refer them to the Disability Group. Call the Disability Group right now for a free, no-obligation consultation. Remember, the call is free and could help you secure thousands of dollars a month. Dial 800-518-8753. That's 800-518-8753. Call 800-518-8753. Hurt or injured in a car accident? It can be hard to take the proper legal action after a car accident, but waiting can cost you more. The law requires car accident victims to assert claims promptly. You could lose out by simply waiting. 
Call 800-467-4551 right now to see what your claim could be worth when handled by a skilled attorney. With a lawyer fighting and speaking up for you, you could be entitled to a big cash award. Call 800-467-4551. That's 800-467-4551. Now it's fast and easy to connect with the legal help you need after your car accident. Call 800-467-4551. The call is free, but you need to act now before time runs out on your claim. You need a lawyer to fight for you, protect you, and get you the compensation you need and deserve. Time's wasting. Call 800-467-4551. That's 800-467-4551. Call now. And now, we're back for more fun and inspiration with social media expert Deb Creer and her fabulous guest. Nothing says, I love you, more than milehighradio.com. And we're back. I am Deb Creer, and we're talking with Kurt Shaver about social selling. So again, Kurt, remind us what social selling is before we talk about uh, how industries can benefit, if there's any specific ones, and then some success stories. Yeah, thanks, Deb. So social selling is really using the social applications like LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and the thousands of others to to find new business by either direct prospecting and doing social research and outreach or by posting and sharing content on the social web in order to attract buyers. Mm-hmm. Well, and we're, we're, you know, we're not talking about beating people over the head with it, but figuring out by having those social interactions with people when a good time is to approach them with your product or your service. Because, after all, we are connected with people, especially if we know that they work for X company or, you know, they, they sell for this company or whatever. We know that that's what they do. So we expect at some point that they're going to say, oh, and by the way, um, here's a product or a service that I think might help you. Um, and hopefully they learned by reading posts when an appropriate time is to approach us. So... Are there certain industries, Kurt, that this works better for, or maybe some that this just doesn't work for at all? Well, I think it's really interesting you say that. You know, my background is in technology, and when I first uh, started focusing exclusively on social selling skills three years ago, most of my clients were in the technology Mm -hmm. industries. And, you know, one, one of the reasons that lends itself to it is, Obviously, the technology people themselves are early adopters, right? They weren't frightened mm-hmm. by uh, something right. like LinkedIn, so they're early adopters to it. And and you know, in most cases, they're they're selling to technology customers as well. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's uh, computers or software or telecom, you know, all those kinds of industries are all very good for it. And again, their customers tend to be the first people that are on LinkedIn. So uh, that's that's just kind of a natural, I think. But one of the things that that really surprised me um, about a year into my business was I started to to really get a lot of inquiries from what I'm going to call professional 
services people. Uh, probably leading mm. that was things like business insurance to some extent, um, mm -hmm. uh, business banking, um, some management consultants, some of those industries. And, you know, if you kind of think some of those industries aren't exactly known as being early adopters of technology. Right. Mm -hmm. But what I discovered was, um, they, they kind of had a different characteristic that made them great candidates and great beneficiaries of using social selling. And that is, in, in those industries, the relationships are actually, in many cases, more important and longer lasting than mm -hmm. they are in the technology industry. Mm -hmm. So they were, they were really, those industries are really able to benefit uh, off of the investment of, of building up their LinkedIn networks and leveraging that for introductions and referrals because in a lot of those instances, their relationships are with pretty senior people in the organization. They rely heavily in, as that trusted advisor role, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of referrals and introductions that happen in, in those types of businesses. So, you know, it, it really serves, I mean, I, I always say it serves any B2B seller, really. I mean, if you're trying to reach a B2B decision maker, mm -hmm. uh, then social selling is a great way to do it. But I just found it was interesting that there was kind of these two almost discrete types of mm -hmm. industries that use it for different reasons. Right. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I've been working with a company who manufactures boxes. You know, and, and you wouldn't think that social media would work for them because they have a very small customer base. I mean, it's not like they need to reach thousands of people. And they had a Twitter presence and they had a Facebook page. And I told them, okay, that's nice. But I said, your sales force has got to be on LinkedIn. Um, and then they created a company page on LinkedIn that has been extremely successful. They've been posting videos. Um, they do client testimonials, all sorts of things. And it is a very small number of followers, but for them, that's the right number of followers. And I think sometimes we do get caught up in it. Oh, I have to reach that thousand or 10,000 or you know, whatever person mark. And if you've got 200 people and those 200 people are going to do business with you, that's the right 200. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of funny to me that a box company would do well on LinkedIn. It just, you know, it, it didn't seem. And, but, you know, their salespeople have really embraced it and are starting to have a good time with oh, it. Oh, great. So, you know, the, the thing that people always say is, yeah, yeah. You tell me it works, but tell me really how it works. So what are some success stories, Kurt? How have people really used social media, and in particular LinkedIn, to do business? You know, that's, that's what we're in this for. We, we, we like what we're doing, hopefully, and all those various things, but we have bills we have to pay. So how have people used social selling successfully? Uh, okay, well, I'll tell you a couple different ones, you know, that, that, that touch on, again, these, these two activities of, of prospecting or content sharing, how they, how they can kind of both work. So, mm -hmm. um, one story was, this is going back to, uh, the business insurance industry and the, the, the CEO of the company was a big proponent of using LinkedIn, but one of his sales folks, the producers, didn't use it too much. And they, they were having a meeting about uh, the producer trying to crack into this target account and hadn't been able to get in the in the door for a couple of months of a t trying. In the, so the CEO said, hey, have you tried you know using LinkedIn, see who's connected, et cetera? And the producer said, oh, no, I don't really use LinkedIn too much. So 
they're sitting in the office of the CEO, and he says, well, let me look, who's the, you know, who's, who's the uh, uh, CFO at the target account mm-hmm. you're trying to reach? And he looked the person up on LinkedIn. And this, the, they saw that he shared a common connection, and, right, as, as would be the you know, classic hope of LinkedIn. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, so the CEO of the insurance company said, hey, well, you know, gee, I haven't talked to this woman in about a year, but, you know, I'll shoot her an email and see if, you know, how well she knows this guy and maybe she can give an introduction. So he, he sent her off an email and they kind of continued talking. Well, five minutes later, the CEO of the insurance company's telephone rang. He picks up the phone and it's this woman that was the common connection that he was hoping could give him an introduction, right? Mm-hmm. And and he says, um, uh, he says, yeah. And she goes, hey, I just got your email. He said, not only do I know the CFO you're trying to reach, but I am sitting in his office right now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Uh, she goes, he just got called out to a meeting, but he'll be back here in a half an hour because I'm working on a big HR project with him. I'm going to be back in town next week. Maybe I can set up a lunch and we'll all get together because I love what you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it doesn't get much better than that, right? I always, right. when I tell the story, I always say your mileage may vary. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't promise that in five <laughs> minutes you're going to have a common connection call you up and say that they're sitting in the office of the prospect you're hoping to get introduced to. Uh, but again, that's a pretty good example of the power mm-hmm. of LinkedIn networking. So that's kind of the prospecting networking piece of it. Um, I'll tell you a, 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 another fun story about the the content sharing piece, and and this is a real a super soft sell aspect of it. Remember we, we spoke about earlier that sometimes people may be sharing content supplied by their own company, but if you wanted to get kind of even softer than that, it might just be general value, right? Right. So uh, this example also happens to come from the business insurance because I do a lot in that space. So uh, everybody east of the Rockies, in North America knows what a brutal winter uh, we just had in 2014, right? Cold, cold, mm-hmm. cold, cold, record colds, 50 years. Snow in Atlanta. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so one of my clients is in uh, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Now, North, uh, and, and, and he opened up the paper one morning, and it said uh, single-digit temperatures coming to North Carolina in two days. Well, single-digit temperatures do not come to North Carolina too often, right? And he had a two-day heads-up warning on this. And, again, this guy was a property and casualty broker, so he is in the business of protecting businesses. Right. So what he did was a smart guy. So he went online. He found an article, which was uh, tips for avoiding frozen pipes. Mm-hmm. Okay? And he posted that to his LinkedIn network, which obviously includes, included – uh, all of his customers and many of his prospects. And he said that, that that article was like the most shared, commented on, liked article that he had posted like in within a year. Wow. Because, you know, because it just hit exactly what people were thinking about. They knew it was coming in two days. They didn't know about opening up the cupboard underneath the sink and letting the water drip and, you know, wrapping outside pipes with old mm-hmm. T-shirts. I mean, they, you know, it only happens every 25 years. So a lot of people in North Carolina didn't do it. So it was, it was again, it was a highly valuable piece of content to his audience. It raised his visibility and his credibility mm-hmm. and, you know, was just real successful and uh, generated some, uh, you know, inbound inquiries from people that said, hey, if you're doing this kind of thing and not even getting paid for it, I imagine what what you're going to do when we're paying. Right, right. 
Well, and, you know, that's one of the things that people always tell me is where do we find content? And I, I tell them, look around. You know, what's going on in the world that you could comment on? Now, you know, obviously, you have to be careful and not be exploitive, um, you know, and, and things like that. But there's tons of content out there. You just have to pay attention to what's going on. And, and you probably are reading it anyway. You know, that article might have been something that was top of his mind, you know, and and. And so he thought, hey, let's share it with everybody else. And, and so where else can salespeople find great content? I mean, you know, when they give you this deer in headlights look, what do you tell them? Uh, wow, there's so there's so many options. You know, I mean, uh, you, 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 really, you could practically just live on your own LinkedIn homepage right. for content because – because your one is going to tend to amass a network of people in the industry that you're in. And mm-hmm. if they're talking about stuff in your industry, right, a lot of times that comes in uh, just from the connections on your own LinkedIn homepage. Um, there's other great things like like I love the application Newsly. Right? Mm-hmm. And, oh, I love yeah, Newsly. Yeah. And uh, just, you know, for the listeners, it's N E W S L e newsly.com and uh of course you're probably familiar linkedin actually purchased it about a month ago so i'm sure in a in a short order a lot of that um intelligence will be incorporated into linkedin but as it as it's currently a standalone application you know again it's just going to tell you all sorts of news that has to do with your connection so it really keeps it in sort of your area of interest and area of focus for finding content. And then, again, obviously, we would always say make sure you're following your own LinkedIn company page, your own LinkedIn blog. If the marketing department is creating content, that should be a first stop. And then maybe the next place would be, as you would indicated earlier, people are always reading something. They probably have their top two or three industry news sites that are Usually, the online version of the trade magazine that that they that they may read. So th- those mm-hmm. are the most popular sources. You know, one of the sources that I always uh, tell people to look at, but I wanted to get your impression on this more from a salesman perspective is, and we'll do this dun 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 dun. Your competitors. What do you think about following them, connecting with them? Uh, you know, because that obviously, especially for a salesperson, they are very conscious of they don't want somebody stealing their account, you know, stealing their information. What do you tell people about your their competitors? So, uh, so I think it's a good idea to follow the company if you, you know, and I think it has to be one of those situations where you, where you probably like really have a well-identified knockdown drag-out competitor, you know, a, a Coke or Pepsi kind of a thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I think a lot of co- a lot of businesses don't necessarily have that real uh, right. spy versus spy competitor. But if you do, then then um, following them can be good. I mean, the, the reason I say that is if you're if you're sort of more in a situation where oh, I've got seven competitors, I'm not sure that you know that I feel like that's probably going to dilute it and stretch it out a little bit too much. In terms of connecting with competitors, I usually don't advise that, you know, because um, uh, primarily because of the ability for them to follow you and see who you're connecting with and right. and mm-hmm. mine your uh, search through your own connections. Mm-hmm. Um, you you can, I mean, of course, you can turn off the ability of any of your connections to see each other, but to me, that really defeats 
the that defeats the network. Yeah, that defeats the whole almost mm-hmm. the whole purpose of being on LinkedIn in my mind. And so, uh, because LinkedIn does not allow you to segment connections like Facebook and Google Plus does, mm-hmm. you know, it's an it's an all or nothing right. rule set mm-hmm. associated with your uh, single level of connections. Uh, then, in, in order to avoid competitors harvesting your network, the easiest way is just don't let them in your network. Right. Right. You know, and, and, and it is a tricky thing because they could steal your clients, but at the same point, if they're a good client, they won't go elsewhere. I mean, you know, it's, but that's, that's, there's so many variables, um, you know, and, and so I tell people, you know, be cautious. Think about how you're going to do that and, um, you know, really give some consideration because if you're looking at them, they're looking at you or they should be. Right. Uh, you know, and and so that's kind of one of those tricky things as to what do you do with it, but yeah, it's and and obviously you're right. It does depend on what you do and who your competitors are, and you know all sorts of things like that. I get tons of information from people that would be considered my direct competitors, but there's a lot of people who do what I do. <laughs> so you know that's that's kind of an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I, I agree with you. I mean, in in the type of business that we're in, Deb, it's. It's kind of such a, a such a blue ocean. It's like all so new and kind of there's plenty of business to go around. I, I don't think mm-hmm. it's as, again, it's not really as, as kind of that cutthroat, um, mm-hmm. limited supply type of scenario right. like, like it is in, in, in a more standard business. Again, you know, Coke and Pepsi or mm-hmm. Dapple and Microsoft or, you know, th- that kind of thing. It's not quite that same situation. Mm-hmm. So I think it's... Right. A lot of times you get just as much from cooperating as you do as you might risk from competing. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and you know, there's there's also proximity things. You know, depending on what you do, you might not want to connect with people directly in your area. So maybe it is, say, insurance. Right. Um, you know, you might not want to connect with the other people in you know within ten, fifteen miles or, or whatever it is, but keeping in touch with you know or you know following somebody that's across the country that's that's very different um so it's it's it really is a almost a connection by connection type of of thing you have to look at each one which you know you should be doing anyway you know you never should accept somebody's request to connect without looking at their profile and seeing you know what do they do where are they you know all those various things yeah so you know, Kurt, I think you know, the concept of social selling is catching on, but it's still really pretty new. So tell our listeners a little bit about what you do and the, the services and, and the, you mentioned seminars and, and webinars. Tell people what those are like and, and where they can find information about those. Sure. Well, again, uh, my focus is really organizational implementation of mm-hmm. social selling skills, which means I, I work with uh, companies that have sales teams. Mm-hmm. And we work on a uh, extended amount of time. I mean, t- a typical engagement uh, for me is usually an eight-week engagement where we're okay. kind of really stretching the lessons out to give people little doses, but stretched out over time so they can actually put them in place. And uh, kind of goes back to my experience implementing Salesforce.com and learning what it takes to drive adoption of new selling habits by salespeople. Mm-hmm. 
And so uh, the focus is that, so there's a lot of things that go into that. It's, you know, some of it is knowledge transfer. A lot of it is exercises and accountability and teaching the sales managers how to do it and having contests and all sorts of things like that that are all meant to just get people up and running. Because once they can kind of start doing these things and they see the results, then the momentum will kick in and they'll do it themselves. So you just, you just have to get that fire lit. Uh, I also do offer for smaller companies or individuals, I offer a self-study version of that, of those kind of custom corporate sessions. Mm-hmm. So people can just go to my website. It's at thesalesfoundry.com. Um, that's, a, again, it's an online, you know, on-demand uh, recorded videos and, and daily email tips that brings them up to the same level over a 30-day period. And um, kind of the in-between situation would be if I've also done situations where uh, where I've worked with either like franchise organizations or dealerships or associations where they there may be a large collection of many small companies Mm -hmm. and but the. Uh, either the sponsoring franchisor or the association w- w- can just sort of sponsor it, and we can roll up lots of little people into one oh, okay. you know, one session, and that g- it gives you the economy of scale uh, from a purchasing standpoint, but still gives you the the live session. So it can kind of fit in any of those different scenarios. Perfect. I, I guess I'd wrap it up with the the one recommendation that I'd give to anybody that's listening is. I've got a kind of a fun resource on my site called the uh, LinkedIn Cell Score. It's a 10-question quiz that takes people two minutes to do, and it will give you a score between 0 and 100 as to how advanced your LinkedIn selling skills are. So if they just go to the salesfoundry.com and click on the Resources tab, they'll see something there that says Individual LinkedIn Score and they can go ahead and see how they rate between 0 and 100. Oh, I'm going to have to do that. Yeah. Well, Kurt, this has been fabulous, and we are out of time, which, you know, we just scratched the surface on this. So that just means that we have to have you on again. Um, and especially, I think, as social selling catches on and more people realize this is an important tool. So we'll have you back. Um, but for now, thank you for coming on. For everyone else, make sure that you are connecting online with uh, people that you need to connect with. Don't just randomly connect. Find the people that are the best people to connect with. And until next week, have a fabulous time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.